Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning. Another day in the land of the living. In your sanctuary. Father, we just surrender ourselves to your hands. Breathe on us afresh this morning again, Lord. Father, speak to our hearts. Father, it's not man's word, Lord. It's your word. And your word says, O Lord, your word has got power to work in those who believe. And this morning, I pray, Lord, even as we listen to your word, let faith arise. Because your word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And even as we listen to your word by faith and hear your word by faith, I pray, Father, that you would empower us with your spirit. That the spirit of the living God will come into us afresh. You'll fill us with your word, sanctify us with your word, and fill us with your spirit. Empower us to witness and to live a life that you've called us to live in these last days. In these troubled times. To that end I pray that you would anoint. The speaking and the hearing. Of this word. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So this morning I just want to start with one verse. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1. We've been looking at this passage. In different different contexts. In different uh, studies. In, on Wednesdays and Sundays. What says, the wicked flee when no man is pursuing, but the righteous, what? Are bold as a lion. Well, that's, uh, I don't know how many of us really feel bold as a lion. You see, um, we're really not that bold as much as we think we are. Some of us really know that we are not bold. Okay. Right? But when you look at these verses, <laughs> it's powerful, no? I mean, it's not, this is reality. How is it that you say that the righteous are boldness? And what is this boldness? And how do I get it? You know, this is what we've been looking at in different contexts in our church. You know, God tries different methods to speak fearlessness and boldness into our lives. And one of the tactics, I mean, one of the ways he tries to, you know, you know, it's, it's, it, there's no way of uh, making you bold by saying be bold. Okay, you know, God has to use different tricks. No, it's, I, I just remember, I re- remember um, uh, one man of God um, um, talking about this very interesting example. No, uh, his child was, I mean, they were sleeping, and uh, um, in the middle of the night, she wanted to go to the bathroom. She was about four or five, six years old, five years old. And she said, Daddy, 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 I want to go to the washroom. Please come with me. Because, you know, parents, children want parents to accompany them because they are scared of whatever. I don't know, whatever they are scared of. So, Dad says, okay, fine. And uh, Dad takes her to the washroom and he opens the door and he just shuts the door from outside, switches on the light. And right in the middle of relieving, the power goes. And immediately she says, Daddy. And she just has to hear one voice. 
child, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm next to you. And that's it. Light is not necessary. You see, God chooses different ways to tell us he's with us. And one of the ways that he does is, I mean, I've titled to his message, um, Do You Know What The Enemy Knows? I'll try to tell you why I have titled this uh, message as uh, the follows. Uh, but we've been looking at this passage from scripture in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? And then of course he gives you the logic. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things? You see, goes on to say that. And Paul tells Timothy, one of the guys who's very, very timid. I mean, he's like me. Worse than me. Okay. You can ask my dad, I don't know how they call me Vijay. <laughs> so, and this is one guy who's fearful all the time. And this is what he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Why does he say this? Why does he say this? What happened to Timothy? Huh. Why did, what, you, know, you should read this entire verse in the con, in context, right? So it's in, you can read this con, in the verse in context. It says in First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 onwards, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. That is the reason why Paul was always bold, okay? Pure conscience with God and with man. Okay. As my fathers did, forefathers did, and as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. He's telling his young protege, you know what? I'm praying for you. I mean, just imagine, no, you get a letter, Apostle Paul is praying for you. There's some kind of a boldness that comes to you, right? Okay, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And he says, when I call to your remembrance, the genuine faith, this guy was genuine, okay? It is not that this guy was not genuine. They're genuine guy. A lot of believers are genuine people. But they're crippled by fear. Okay, and he says, genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded is also in you. So I know you. I know your pedigree. I know your spiritual pedigree, so to speak. And I also know the fact that you are genuine. I remember your tears. I remember the, the labor that you showed towards uh, those with whom we minister together. And he says, he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you. What has happened, Timothy Chalabadbedante? It's like, Paul, what happened to Paul? Paul preached, preached, preached in prison and persecution after persecution, trial after trial and he looks at the life of Paul and he says, what is this Christian life all about? And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, don't fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And it's a spirit, by the way. But he has given us a spirit of what? Of power, of love. And of sound mind. See, I want to divide today's, uh, today's uh, teaching into two parts. What, why should we not fear? What is the problem with fear? Okay. Second, how, what is the one strategy God uses so that we can overcome our fears? You know, Psalm 34, this poor man cried and the Lord delivered him from all his fears. 
Okay, so, so this is what he wants us to do. You know, he wants to, he wants, he uses some strategies, which I'm going to show you today, what strategies he uses. But first of all, we need to understand what is a problem with fear and what is a strategy God uses in order for us to overcome fear. So first, what is the problem with fear? There are several things, several, several, it's a huge topic, but I'm going to just look at two problems with fear. First, Look at uh, Joshua chapter 1. He says, be strong and of good courage. I mean, he's trying to <laughs> qualify courage, good courage. Okay? Just not courage, good courage. I mean, uh, the, 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 the Hebrew word is ametz, which essentially means to be decisive. Don't be indecisive. Okay? People whom you don't want to be around is indecisive people. They don't know where they're going. And you being a leader, you cannot be indecisive. And what does fear do? It makes you indecisive. Okay. Thousands and thousands of people, multitudes and multitudes, where? In the valley of what? Decision. They're still not making a decision. Why? Because they're crippled by by fear. And there's so many people in the body of Christ who are crippled by fear. They're not decisive. And God says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the Lord, uh, the land which I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and what? Very courageous. I mean, twice, no? Same thing, the same word emits. Why? So that you may, what? Observe to do. He doesn't, he's not saying, he's not saying you should be strong and courageous so that you can fight the enemy. No, 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 no. You should be strong and courageous so that you can obey my commandments, you can be in a position to receive my commandments as well. And then again, he ends up with uh, this final exhortation. Have I not commanded you be strong enough? What? Good courage. So what is the problem with fear? Now, old Puritan writer, his name is William Gurnall. He wrote a book called The Christian in Complete Armor. I started and restarted it 50 times. It's a thousand page treatise. The point problem with the book is that you have to read it in one sitting. If you just lose track, that's it. That, that means you'll just forget it. So I started and restarted it several times only because in one sermon I heard David Wilkerson read this book and it changed his life. So I was inspired. I said, okay, I should also read this book. And I downloaded it. And he, this guy, in this book, he makes a fantastic statement. He says, look at what he says. A soul deeply possessed with fear and dispirited with strong apprehensions of danger is in no posture for counsel. What a statement. You want spiritual counsel? You know what kind of a spiritual posture you should have? You should be fearless to even receive counsel. Uh, just imagine an army, a commander. Suddenly there's an attack and everybody's scattering. They're all shaking. Come on, come on guys. It's very difficult to rally them together and say, come on, let us fight. No way. They are in no posture to take commandments. Commands. Spiritual posture is very important because people who are fearless will obey. And they are in a position to take their commands. And he says, soul deeply possessed with fear and dispirited with strong apprehensions of danger is in no posture for spiritual counsel. You will not take orders. And in the, in the military, you need to take orders. The whole military works like that. 
You see? You know, you'll get a glimpse of this in NCC. Okay. All pampered children will go to national integration camp. And then, papa, papa, five o'clock, he just blows the siren and everybody should be out. You know what that for? Otherwise, the petty officer will do. He'll take his rod and come into the tents and spank everybody out. And then you have to hold that lati and run. You see, you need to take orders. And he says, if you want to be in spiritual warfare, and, and, and by the way, I mean, spiritual warfare is for everybody, whether you like it or not. One, the moment you have, you have been born again, you have entered into, the, into, into a warfare. There's no escaping it. And he says, if you are not fearless, you are in no position or in, you don't have the posture to take counsel. That is a problem with fear. That's the first problem with fear. What is the second problem with fear? This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 onwards. <clears throat> Look at what it says. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you. And by the way, that is the default position of a believer. Okay. Okay. Believer is, like pastor said, the first century church. They never did have any contacts, nothing. They have no cloud, no money, no cloud. They were totally, totally dependent upon the strength that comes from God alone. That is the default position of every believer. And every believer, which, whichever nation that you are living in, the authentic church is always a minority. Okay, Whichever century, the authentic church is always a minority. So he says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now he's there with you. Then he goes on to say, so it shall be when you are on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not be, do not tremble or be terrified. Look at how many adjectives he uses, no? Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble. Do not be terrified. I mean, fear is really, really real there, no? Four adjectives. Because of that. And then he says something very, very interesting. In verse 4, he says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. He's there. And then verse 8. And this is what the priest will say. What is the priest saying? Come on. The Lord your God is with you. And then who is supposed to carry out the orders? The officers. The officers knows their chamcha. But the officers have to make a very interesting statement. You know what the officers have to say? The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful? And faint-hearted, let him go. Return. And he says, let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. Why? What is the first problem with fear? It is no, it is, there is no it's not in a position to take spiritual counsel. Second is, it is contagious. Very contagious. You see? Very, very contagious. No, fear is very contagious. You, you, I remember, I think Emmanuel is not here. When Emmanuel swallowed that coin, no? And she went into that operation room. Mother cried. Sister cried. I am shivering. No, I have to hold them together. I can't cry. My tears are coming and I can't cry. 
Come on, let's pray, let's pray. You see, what happens, everybody is shivering, it's contagious. And you imagine if a leader, no, can you imagine if pastor is here, I don't know what is going to happen to the church. Can you imagine if the leader is absolutely not sure about himself and is fearful, what will happen to the congregation? And even if the leader is strong, what if there are people in the congregation who are fearful? It's very contagious. It is very, very contagious. Let me give you examples. Okay. Look at what it's. One example. Numbers chapter 13. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. This is after the 12, 12, 12 spies go. 12 men went to spy out Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. So what happened? Whose report did they believe? Defaultly, we all will believe the negative only. No? How, how many of you always given the benefit of the doubt to the other person whom you heard bad about? There is no smoke without. Ah. Nobody gives. You see, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But you know what happened? But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. You know what they do? They exalt their weaknesses. It's a paradox, no? They exalt their weaknesses. We are like what? Grasshoppers. We are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out and then it says, so all, no, how many? All means all. All the congregation of Israel lifted up their voice and wept. You see how contagious it is? It went viral. It's like a one WhatsApp message which has gone viral. You see? Everybody, I don't know how it went so fast. 600,000 families heard. Except two families, of course. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. You see that? How contagious this is? Now, this is the people, this is the children of Israel, okay, which feared. And what did God say? None of you fellows will enter into the promised land. Okay? You spoke fear into your lives and that's exactly what you will get. Some One man of God made a very powerful statement. He says, you choose your words or rather you make your words and ultimately your words will make you. So choose your words very wisely. Watch your mouth. That's what we heard last time. And all they could speak. Why did you bring us? To kill us? It was better if you died, died, died. They spoke death and that's exactly what they got. Now think about it. Now what about the next generation? Think about that. That is interesting, right? Okay, you 600,000 fellows failed. What happened to the next generation? This is very interesting. This is powerful. See how contagious fear is. Numbers chapter 32. Now the children of Reuben and the children of... Oh, where's the... Okay, no problem. Notice, now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad. Notice that. What did they say? Children of Reuben and children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. Now, by the way, let me just give you a background of this. This is after they have defeated Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and uh, Og, the king of Bashan. Okay? Now, they have... 
they have conquered them and after that balak's inst- balam's inst- incident happens and after several things all the 600000 men have died they are replaced by another 600000 men so first census under the priesthood of aaron second census under the priesthood of eliezer okay second first census in the priesthood of aaron 600000 men second census in under the priesthood of eliezer 600000 men exact number replacement over okay god is very very precise that is the reason why it's called book of numbers okay very precise 600000 replacements over okay yeah plus or minus here and there but it's okay that is done now these people are there at the verge of the promised land now they see this land of moab it's beautiful rich with livestock and they say oh it's good good for livestock and they say the children of gad and the children of man of ruben came and notice that again okay spoke spoke to moses to elias the priest and to the leaders of the congregation saying what did they say the country which the lord defeated before the congregation of israel is a land for livestock and your servants have livestock therefore they said if we have found favor in your sight let this land be given to your servants as a possession do not take us over the jordan now think about it it looks very 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 nice and pious if i really found favor in your sight please give me this land now moses is so 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 discerning he's a very wise man he's got spiritual discernment this is what he says look at what he says the next verse moses said to the children of gad and to the children of ruben shall your brethren go to war while you sit here now what is that now why will you discourage the heart of the children of israel from going over into the land which the lord is giving them now already they have made a decision you said right you don't want that land now the lord is giving them you not get that land anymore and then look at this does your fathers did when i sent them away to kadesh barnea it's exactly the same incident he's saying remember your fathers when i sent them to the kadesh barnea they said this land is not good for us the same spirit in the next generation and they said for when they went up to the valley of heshcol and saw the land they discouraged the heart of the children so they did not go into the land which the lord gave them and then you know what he says and he says and look you have risen in your father's place you fellows a brood of sinful people can you imagine they have not learned the lessons from their fathers they have not even learned the lessons from the leader you know moses is saying i want to go into that land three times a big god said no and you didn't get it a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the lord against us for if you turn away from following him he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy what all these people remember the same thing all the people will be destroyed so contagious then we'll look at what they said very interesting words words okay then they came near to him <laughs> like that okay. and you know what they said we will build sheep folds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones notice little ones but we ourselves will be armed ready to go before the children of israel until we brought them to their place and our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land now I look at that look at that no when i look at that where did you hear this before 
Does it sound familiar? This verbatim? Where did you hear this before? I mean, if you have come to GTC, you should know by this time. Where did you hear this verbatim before? You stay. Somebody said something. Huh? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, sir, he says. Yes, sir. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 10. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh and said, Go and serve the Lord your God, who are the ones that are going. And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. You know what Pharaoh says? He said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware for evil is ahead of you. In other words, let your little ones stay, you go. That's exactly what they said. The same spirit of Pharaoh has come into them now. Our little ones will stay here. Who will go? We will go. Why? Why should little ones stay back? It's too risky. It's too risky for them. You know, It's okay when unbelievers use those words like risky. If believers use it, it's a problem. My grandfather recently, my mother's father, passed away recently. When I came into full-time ministry, I went and told him, serving the Lord full-time, he couldn't understand. Come on, he's an unbeliever. right? He didn't know the Lord. And you know what he used to say? Vijay, you have two little daughters. Too risky. How will you feed them? The little ones. It's amazing. Same spirit. You know, if an unbeliever says, I can understand, because he's looking practical, you know, they're all practical people. Don't misunderstand them. They're practical. They're very wise. They're thinking like fathers. But what about you and me? Little ones. You know, nobody wins anything in your life. Let me, let me tell you something. Life is a risk. And if you want to be a winner, you should take risks. What did I say? Huh. Okay. Have you seen a tennis match? Have you seen a person who's playing safe? Winning? You know, people who win the matches, they, you know, of course my, my own idol. Commentators say, this guy goes for broke every time he plays. Every point. And you know where he most often puts the ball? At the edges. Risky shots. And you should listen to the kind of language the commentators That's a line-licking forehand. Line-licking. I'm telling you, these guys, the way they have over a period of time, those people who take risks are the people who win. Winners are people who take risks. They go out for God. They go for broke for God. They don't want to play it safe. What is my TA? What is my DA? I cannot imagine DA. TA, I understand. Travel elements. I can understand HRA. Home rent elements. What is this dear Baba? Dearness elements. I cannot imagine that. You're, you're so dear to me. Central government employee. 
See, dearness, relevance. No dear, no dear. Will you go for God? Will you go for broke for God? What if I make mistakes? Make mistakes and learn. Okay? Make mistakes and learn. And you have you seen entrepreneurs? They are the people who go for broke. They take risks. And that is the reason why they are successful. I mean, can you imagine God is saying, I am covering you, Baba. Take risks for me. <laughs> These guys want to play it safe. What will happen to my little ones? This is good. We will go. We'll come back. Isn't it interesting? They will go. Your children will not come back. The children will not go with you. You will come back to your... I always find it very interesting. You read the book of Deuteronomy. He says, Don't give your daughters to their sons. Don't take their daughters for your... And then he says, Because their daughters will turn the hearts of your sons and I'm like, that is interesting. It will never say the daughters turn the hearts of the sons there, but the, always the daughters have a very, 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 very strong role to play in the decisions of a man. Why did Reuben and Gad come? Their wives might have said, Are Very nice. Chonu Monaka school is very, very close. He says, What is the risks? If you go there, what will happen? And said, IIT, that's only they'll come to my school. What will happen? Will they get, we can, can they write MSET? I said, Baba, if you want to come for MSET, don't come to my school. This is not MSET training center. This is not IIT JE training center. You can go somewhere else. This is the wrong place for you. <laughs> will they go to this? Not for you. I'll tell you something, but I believe, you know what? My students will be better than those fellows who are going to Kota, Rajasthan. You know, if you know what I mean. They'll be better. Ten times. They can think well. They can reason well. You know why? Because they've been given the word. Priceless. Okay. Your little ones. Take risks. This guys, they don't want to take risks. They want to settle down nicely. And by the way, if you want to settle down in ministry, there's no risk. There is, don't come to ministry. Just don't come. Okay. By the way, that thing called settling down is such a lie from the pit of hell. Everybody says, no? Life banjaega. Once you go into IIT, life banjaega tera. I came through, okay? Abhi tak nahi bana. You see? So lie! There's no settling down, Baba. You see, that is what they, they don't, they, they, they will never ever say it's a risk to do business. They will say it's a risk to follow God. Can you believe that? That's a problem with fear. Now, this is okay, but look at how this ends. Numbers chapter 32. Who came first? Reuben and Gad. Now, look at how it ends. Numbers chapter 32. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel have received their inheritance. Very, very pious. And verse 19. For we will not inherit. Look at this. We will not inherit with them on the other side of Jordan. They've already spoken their inheritance. God says the life of Christ is on the other side. They said, we don't want that. We don't want that. Spoke. Because our inheritance has already fallen. They've already decided. Their inheritance. And it goes on. Numbers chapter 32. Verse 33. 
verse, verse 2. The children of God and the children of Reuben came first, right? How does it end? 32, 33. So Moses gave the children of God, the children of Reuben, and ah, half-tribe compromised. How subtly contagious fear is. Half-tribe of Manasseh decided, we will stay back. We don't want to go on the other side. I mean, you'll say, it's only half-tribe. No, let me give you things in perspective. If I give you some data, raw data, then you'll be convinced. No, How much is Manasseh tribe? 52,700 families. Okay, how many families? 50,700 families or clans. How many families stayed back? 26,350 families stayed back. That's the number which stayed back. So fear... You are not in a position to take spiritual counsel. The second problem with fear is that it is what? Contagious. Discouragement is always contagious. Negative is always easy. So, God says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a what? The spirit of fear, but what should he replace it with? The spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of sound mind. That is the Holy Spirit. That's what he does when he comes. Acts chapter 4 verse 31, he says, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. That means they became risk takers for God. They went for broke for God. And by the way, if you really want to grow in God, you have to take risks. Okay? Don't calculate your risks. Just take risks. In fact, you can calculate. Eternity, you will always... There's no losing with God, for sure. So, how do we get this Holy Spirit? That's what we do every week. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5. He who what? Supplies the Spirit. And he he who works miracles among you. How does he do it? Does he do it by the works of law? No. But by the hearing which comes from faith. That is how the supply of the Holy Spirit comes into our life. When we hear the word of God by faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, and even if, even as you hear the word of God by faith, the spirit of God, spirit of, uh, uh, Holy Spirit comes and empowers you. That is the reason why it says, we know this verse, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do essentially? What is he called in the Bible? John's Gospel chapter 14, verse 16 onwards. And I will pray the Father, he shall give you what? Another, what? Comforter. If you look at the word comforter. What does comfort means? Come and fortify. It's called parakletos in the Greek. The one who comes alongside. Comfort means are you. It is not comfort. That is not comfort. Are you? You are going through a problem. No, no, no. That's a person who's who comforter. He comes alongside and he says, "What are you doing? You are a child of God. Come on." That is what that is what comfort is. That he may be abide. That he may abide with you forever. Who is he? He is the what? The Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth not him, neither it knoweth him. But you you know him for he dwelleth with you and he shall be in you. And who will come? Even as the Holy Spirit comes, I will come with you. Remarkable. So the first problem is, fear has two problems. First problem is that you are in no position to take spiritual counsel. Second problem, it is contagious. You will mess up the whole church. Or the body of Christ. So how do we overcome it? What are the strategies that God uses in order for us to overcome fear? 
You know, what are the strategies that God uses to overcome fear? Before I go there, I want to show you something very interesting. Uh, recently, I was, uh, not recently, just yesterday, no? Have you seen, I don't know if you're following US Open. Uh, Nadal is in the 19th final, final. He has still not won it. And he blew his opponent away, lock, stock and barrel. And his opponent in the final, his challenger, his rival in the final, he was being interviewed. So the interviewer asked him a very interesting question about, what do you think about Rafa? So, that guy, the challenger said something, and the journalists are very interesting, right? They're very smart. They will come and quote this to Rafa. So this is what the interviewer said. Interviewer. Medvedev, that's his Daniel Medvedev, that's the Russian challenger who's come for the first Grand Slam final. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be blown away by Rafa, for sure. Six love, six two, six one, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, Medvedev said, this is what he said, you are a machine, a beast on the court, and that your ener- energy is amazing. This is what he said about you. And then he asked Rafa, what goes through your mind when you hear something like that? <laughs> It's interesting, no? Interview say your rival thinks you're a beast, you're a machine. Your energy on court, your intensity which you bring on court is amazing. What do you think? Rafa in his characteristic, humble, candid, unassuming way. This is what he says. Just thanks for the compliment, no? Always is beautiful to hear nice things from your colleagues. <laughs> like that, not from the rivals. Happy for that. Just I hope to be like this on Sunday. I will need it. You know what? The same strategy God uses. You want to overcome fear? Your biggest enemy is the devil because he uses intimidation. But I'll do one thing. I will tell you what the enemy thinks about you. Okay. How will you respond? It's a remarkable strategy. This is, I mean, God knew all these, how, what will inspire us. I will tell you something about you, what the enemy thinks about you and what is his opinion about you. And when you receive that opinion, what will you do? Okay. Let's see. Let's find out. It's found in Judges chapter 7, verse 8. So the people took provisions and the trumpets in their hands and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp for I have... It's always he speaks in past tense, I have delivered. It's over. I mean, I, I'll tell you something. Medvedev already sealed his feet by speaking about his rival. He spoke it and it's exactly what he's going to get. A beast, a machine and a man with amazing intensity and he's going to be blown away. Okay, let's experiment this. Okay, tomorrow's news we will see. Hmm? You see, I mean you should see in real life how these things will happen. I have delivered it into your hand. And this is, God is always spe- already speaking in the past tense. It's exactly how he does. He always speaks everything about us in the past tense. Look at what it says in some of the places. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has what? Already blessed. 
which <laughs> notice that word every spiritual can you do you really believe that my dear brothers and sisters today do you believe that he has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ look at another place I mean this is remarkable Romans chapter 6 verse 4 therefore we were we will be buried together we were buried with him when did it happen? 2000 years ago. Okay, it's already over. When you accepted the Lord and you, when you obeyed God in the waters of baptism, it says symbolically you have been buried. Another, another pastor's powerful. Romans chapter 6 verse 6. Knowing this, your old man, it is not going to be, will be crucified. It is, was crucified. It's already in the past. And what does he say to, 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 to Gideon? I have delivered you. And Gideon is like us, no? God knows Gideon's heart. Look at what it says in Judges chapter 7 verse 10. If you are afraid to go down, <laughs> you'll go down, no? Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. That means you cannot go alone. I know you're a very timid fellow. You're like, you're like my daughter who needs her father when he goes to the bathroom, okay? And you shall hear what they say. And afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And look at this. By the way, as I said, God's people always are in a what? Not majority. Minority in terms of numbers. Look at what it says. Now Midianites and Amalekites and all the people of East were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. I mean the scene would have been intimidating in this place. Like 300 people are going to conquer them with 300 people. Come on. What are the odds God? And the camels were without number as a sand by the seashore. And then look at what it says. Judges chapter 7 verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Interviewer. Okay. Who's the interviewer? God is the interviewer. He said, I have a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. Have you seen a loaf of barley bread? Small loaf of barley. It'll go cotton go For example, now when you are strong and you ask your children to come and spank you, come on. Mar mar mar. Mar. Cotton. What is that hand? Eat something. Exactly, exactly. Loaf of barley bread tumbling down. It came to a tent and struck it. Can you believe it? Loaf of barley bread coming and striking a tent. And it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. My dear brothers and sisters, know your calling. God has not called the powerful. He has called the weak to confirm the wise. Do you know your calling, my dear brothers? Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? What do you think about yourself? You know, That's the one Tamil word I learned from my neighbor. What are you thinking about? That's exactly a loaf of barley. But if this loaf of barley falls in you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the tent will fall. What is a tent? The whole host of locusts, of Amalekites and Midianites. Then his companion answered, this is nothing else. The loaf of barley is the sword of Gideon. Kya baat hai? 
too much analogy here, Baba. This is tremendous figure of speech. Sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into the hand, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And what happens? And it was so it was when Gideon heard this telling the dream, he said, Baba, let's go out now. Let's fight them. What did he hear? What did the enemy know about you? Do you know what the enemy knows about you? Okay. Enemy's best kept secret that he does not want to know who you are in Christ. So let me show you seven things he knows about you and sadly most believers don't know. Okay, let me show you from where I'm looking at. This is from uh, Numbers chapter 22. Verse 1 onwards. This is after Israel conquers what is that? Uh, Sihon, the king of the Amorites and Og the king of Bashan and Og the king of Bashan that follows like nine feet, nine cubits or whatever that length is. Okay. And they kill him. They slaughter him and they take over. Come on. You see, this is what God does. I mean, I like, I remember Pastor James telling us, no? You know, it gives tremendous pleasure to God when his weak, so-called weak brothers and weak sisters in the Lord are defeating the enemy. I remember so many years back in when we were in Abbots, he gave us a very interesting example. You know, in Africa, there's a lot of voodoo that goes on. Okay? A lot of witchcraft. So there's one witch doctor in this home. And there's one, just next to him, there was this uh, home, uh, have, it was a Christian home. And there was a small girl in that Christian home who loved the Lord. Okay? Just gung-ho about God. This witch doctor one day, Doing all kinds of occult, witchcraft, witchcraft, or doing all kinds of occult. And this young girl always praises the Lord, worships God, full of the Holy Spirit, you know. And one day, one day she, I think her mother washed her clothes and she hung her underwear also on the, on the sill, okay? Just like that. And then now the wind came. And the wind came and blew the underwear. And this witch doctor was doing some kind of occult. And the underwear flew like that and came into his home, I told you, no, small, fluffy, barley. And the moment he came, he looked at the underwear and he saw fire coming into his home. And he ran for his life. And I know, <laughs> remember Pastor James making a statement, he said, one little anointed panty of a small girl can scare the heck out of the devil. Let me show you. Let God be true and every manner. Okay. In other words, let Mahatma Gandhi be a liar and let God be true. Because Mahatma Gandhi is the most truthful man. That's what we say, right? Most truthful man. He's not the most truthful man. He only did ah, experiments with truth. He didn't have the encounter with truth. Okay. That is his Atma Kada. Hmm? Autobiography. <laughs> Numbers chapter 22. Okay, let's read on. Then the children, okay, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab and the side of Jordan across Jericho. The, the, now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and look at this. Moab was exceedingly afraid, not just afraid. 
You know what the word Balak means? The Hebrew Balak means destroyer. Who's his father? Sippor. Okay. I don't want to tell you the meaning of what Sippor means. Conflicted, but Balak means destroyer. What does the enemy come to do? He comes to steal, kill, destroy. Okay, Balak means destroyer. And Moab was exceeding. Who was exceedingly afraid? Who was these people? Moab. Now remember, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, it says, you'll be passing through several lands. Edom I've given to the... Sire I've given to Edomites. This place I've given to the Moabites. Even as you pass through the Moabites, you will not take any of their land for possession. Because I have given all these places to the Moabites. And Moabites were not going to be attacked by Israel, but they are afraid. What is the spirit of Moab? This is, they know who you are. Let me, let me show you. Let me explain this to you okay, a little more clearly. Moab was extremely afraid of the people because there were many. <clears throat> Let's read on. Moab was sick, boy, with dread because of the children. Destroyer is sick. He's exceedingly afraid and sick with dread. Do you know he's scared of us actually? Of the authentic church? What did Jesus tell Peter? Upon this revelation, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell. Matlab kya? They are not going to prevail. Means you will be overpowering them. You will be banging the gates of hell and bringing people out. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks the grass of the field. That is your destiny, by the way. The meek shall inherit the other. One day you should. You will be a set of people who are so fruitful. Each one of you is a potential evangelist who has got the capacity to bring in a multitude into the kingdom of God. Even if you don't see the fruit right now. Multitude. Amazing how Paul, by the time he finished, he saw none. But 2000 years later, billions and billions and billions of people have been saved through his letters. Do you know that? How Martin Luther was saved? How Augustine was saved? Romans chapter 13, <laughs> he was walking on the, on the road and two people were, two children were playing, tololage, tololage, they were saying, tololage, tololage, what is tololage? Pick up and read, pick up and read. He said, what should I pick up and read? And he saw down, he, was, he saw a small piece of Bible verse and he picked it up and he said, Romans chapter 13. What is that? Uh, uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and give no provision to the flesh to fulfill his lusts. That's it. Augustine was saved. Luther was an Augustinian monk. And the seed for the Reformation happened when one guy took one piece of paper which was written by Apostle Paul and there's a ripple effect 500 years later you and I are sitting here in this church because of one guy picking up a paper written by one man a multitude of people have been saved through that one man do you think the the enemy is not afraid no wonder he was persecuted for the church He's afraid. That is the reason why Jesus I know. Paul I know. He knows Paul. And he's scared of him. Because Paul was fearless. You see? They will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up grass. And one day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of this Lord and his Christ. And he knows his destiny. Do you know that Balak knows, the destroyer knows his destiny? He knows that. 
That is the reason why it says in Revelation, he knows his time is very short. That is the reason why he is coming against you with great wrath. He knows his end. But he's so deceived that he thinks that he can still fight God and win the battle. Balad, the son of Zippor, was a king of Moabites. So what does he do? The messengers of, then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Petor. By the way, the word Balaam means glutton, lord over the people. <laughs> like that. Okay. Lord over the people. Son of Petor at Petor. What is Petor? Petor means soothsayer, soothsaying or fortune telling. He's a occult master. I don't know how he had this connection with the living God. I'm not sure. I, mean, I, I think he had the same connection with the living God like the way uh, Laban had a connection with the living God. God. Did God not appear to Laban? Yes, he appeared to Laban. He said, don't touch that fellow. That's exactly how this guy also had a revelation of the living God. It's very interesting, no? In the spiritual realm, they know who the real God is. They all know. That is the reason why whenever Jesus went, you are the son of the living God. You are the, sh- sh- shut your mouth, please come out. Please come on. In the, if here, here and the, nowadays we will be shouting, who, we'll, we'll, we'll be wondering who's possessed. That fellow or this fellow who's in the name of Jesus said, Chubet, Bahar Nikal. I mean, that's what happens in Delvin's also. Chubet, Bahar Nikal. Don't have to shout and scream. Making, those demons will make house out, uh, screaming and shouting. We don't have to shout at them. They can hear very clearly. It is not because of the amplification of your voice you are heard. It is because of the quality of your life you are heard. I remember Zach Poon in one of his sermon, one of his uh, preaching preaching times, he was preaching to an audience like this and right there in the middle of the audience there was one guy who was throwing a tantrum and he said, right there under his breath, he said, in the name of Jesus, shut up and sit down. That fellow said quietly. He didn't have to make any racket. See? And these are realities, by the way. I, you, I, I'll tell you how I had my first time experience. Okay, we were we went for a first mission trip from IIT. Okay, all bunch of engineers, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, computer science engineer, two computer science, one mechanical, one aerospace. Shibu, okay, aerospace engineer, and uh, uh, me, electrical engineer, all engineers with a chemi- chemistry professor. Went to Ghatampur. If you go to the mission field in North India, professor started preaching. All engineers know we are all intellectuals by then. We don't believe in the demonic. Okay. Suddenly one lady started moving like that. Not normal. She fell, started wriggling on the floor. Foam, I mean, spittle coming out of her mouth. And my professor, thank God, is a man of God. He went, he started laying hands on people like that. All his hands are full. He's taking his leg now. He's putting on somebody else. He's putting on somebody else. Anointing flowing, deliverance happening. And all engineers watching. From IIT. Then we gave it a very interesting, we gave it no paranormal activity. Nonsense. That is demonic. Nothing paranormal. Paranormal. Who said? Who is the inventor of WWW? Do you know that? 
Very interesting. You should see what his roots are. You'll have a shock of your life. You know the large hadron collider, right? I don't know if you follow LHRC in Switzerland and France and Germany. They are trying to find the God particle. They got it. They called it Higgs boson. The blip on the screen. And they said, there you go, God particle. Okay, whatever. Okay. And then, what they want to create now? They want to create black holes. Why? We want to know dark matter. Why? Why? You know what a black hole is, right? A black hole is a place where you have infinite gravity. It just absorbs everything. I mean, it just, it's in spiritual terms, bottomless pit. Okay. It's a logical language. They want to create? Why? So what do you have there? You have one Nataraj in a science lab. Mm-hmm. Bunch of scientists doing something really interesting. What do you, you know what they want to do? You know what they want to do? They want to create portals into the demonic. That's exactly what Babel was. Come, let us come together. Conference. Science conference. What conference? Brick making conference. How to make bricks. What is the result of the conference? Let us construct a building. Where will it reach? It will reach to the heavens. What do you mean by heavens? In other words, you are going to create a portal into the other dimension. Through occult. And everybody is speaking what language? One language. And what did God do? Oh, you want to come into the <laughs> spiritual realm? It's ironical, right? Let me go down to see. You want to come up? Let me go down to see. What you guys are doing. And then he... Confused their language. Now what are we doing now? All the scientists are coming together and they all speak what? One language. You know what is a language? It is not English. It is called a digital language. Ones and zeros. Just imagine. Just imagine. A guy comes from Spain to Hyderabad. Okay? He doesn't know your language. But he has an app. It's called translator. And he speaks in Spanish. I don't know how do you say in Spanish. Where is Charminar? And our, he will ask one Muslim fellow. I'm somewhere in your Charminar. So he speaks into his app. That fellow will translate into Hindi. That fellow will speak back into the app. It will come back into Spanish. What is that one language? Connecting everybody, a computer program made of zeros and ones. Okay. Some of the things that happen in labs, I know, <laughs> because I've been there in the in the so-called artificial intelligence community. What do they want to do? Everybody in the world has to speak what? One language. And they want to create portals into the demonic. It's happening. Even now. Okay, that's spooky stuff. Let's move on. 
And therefore, this is, this is what happened. This guy knows. He has some kind of a divination power and he knows the real God. We don't know how he knows. See, he's talking to a donkey. And he's not surprised by it. I mean, either he's dum-dum or he has got a way to communicate with the donkey. You don't understand that. Okay, let's move on. Look, the people have come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are sitting next to me. (laughs) Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me. For they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them in battle. No, look at this. This guy understands spiritual warfare. He says, I cannot beat them physically. I know it is a battle in the spiritual realm. That's exactly the reason why he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling on our strongholds. It, he understands, and the sad thing is, people in the church don't understand it is a spiritual warfare. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out. Perhaps he's hoping that he's able that 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 he wants to I mean, that he'll be able to defeat them. Is it possible? For I know. That somehow those whom you bless are blessed and those whom you curse is cursed. And that's exactly what happens in the other religions. What do they do? They put curses and incantations to control your mind. It's all there. It's happening even in this world. I mean, it's very very strange for it to come out of a guy who's done <laughs> robotics. But this is true. It's true. And you know the story now. This guy, he's... Gets us fees of divination, etc. And now he's somehow persuaded to go there. And the angel of the Lord meets him. And the episode is over. Now he comes to Balak. And Balak asks him to curse. Now whenever he's opening his mouth, Balak is the destroyer, is asking him to curse. And Balaam is giving Balak some information about Israel. And Israel has no idea what's going on. In the spiritual realm. Understand that? Balak is here. Balaam is there on the, on the top of the mountain. He is speaking prophecy after prophecy over Israel. And Balak is knowing, he's getting first hand what Israel is in Christ. And Israel has no idea. Look at what happens. Let's read Numbers chapter 23. Look at two prophecies. I'm not going to go to all prophecies in the time that we have. Two prophecies. Numbers chapter 23, verse 7 onwards. He's asking him to bless. He says, okay, okay, fine. Do some offering over here. Let me see what the God will say. I mean, God is not going to give you, accept your offering if your heart is against God. Come on. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, I do not delight. I'm, I'm looking for people who do my will. Okay. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram. By the way, that Aram is very, very significant. You know, Aram means, the other word for Aram is Syria. Who is the first Syrian in the Bible? Jacob's father-in-law. Aha! Laban. Okay? Now, and he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. The word curse means, you know the words curse. And denounce means, somehow let God pour out his wrath against Israel. That's what denounce means. And then he makes a statement, how shall I curse him? God has not cursed. 
And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the rocks I see him. Whom does he see? And from the hills I behold him. There are people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. And immediately Balak said, what are you doing, Baba? I'm asking you to curse them, you're blessing them. He has given some information to Balak about Israel. What does the enemy know about you? Let me see. Let me explain that. Now Balak said, what have you done? I took you to curse my enemies. You have blessed them bountifully. So he answered, must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put into my mouth? So what is the first thing the enemy knows about you? How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Now first thing you should know, you should, you are a people who are blessed and not cursed. That's the first thing. People who are blessed and not cursed. Why? Why? How did this happen? Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 will say, For as many as are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, written cursed is everyone who, who, that, who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 onwards again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a what? Curse for us. You know, we all deserve a curse. But because Christ became a curse for us, think about it. Did Israel keep the law in the wilderness? No. You know what God tells Israel in the book of Hosea? For 40 years in the wilderness, did you even come in with one burnt offering or sacrifice to me in the wilderness? Did you offer one offering? No. No. And he tells the next generation, you have to go there on the other side, Mount Ibal, Mount Gerizim, one mountain blessing and the other mountain curses and everybody should say what? Amen. And we know very well that none of us are able to keep the law. And we are all cursed by default. But you know what? We deserve a curse. But God became a curse for us. Who became a curse? God became a curse. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? The spirit of God. The spirit of faith. What does that mean? What does Jesus say? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You will be blessed to be a what? Blessing. Abraham, come out. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. You know, we are a people, the enemy knows that we are not cursed, but we have the source of eternal blessing because of the work of Christ on the cross. Do you know that? Do you know? Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, so that we might, what? Receive the adoption. What happens? What do you mean you're not under curse? You become what? Sons of God. Sons of God. That means the moment you are born again into the kingdom of God, God has taught you, he thinks you to be his child. Now think about it. I have two daughters. I can never imagine me having any kind of a bad thought for my daughters and both my daughters. I always think good about them. I always want the best for them. I always want the best. And sometimes very carnal also. Abigail, Maths Olympiad. 
because i didn't do maths olympiad i want to vicariously do maths olympiad to her see but you know and that, that's what god tells through jeremiah you know the thoughts that i have for you thoughts to prosper you thoughts to not to harm you to give you a hope and a future and expected and so many people in the kingdom of god don't know what that blessing is they still behave like slaves and not sons that is a blessing what does that is the spirit what does the spirit come do what does the spirit do it makes us into the sons of god look at what it says Verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts that you cry out what? Abba Father. Who cried out Abba Father? Only one person who cried out in the entire Bible before the church began was Jesus Christ. And they were stunned, the apostles, the kind of boldness and the closeness that with, which, with which he addressed the father. It was almost blasphemy for them. How come he is so close to the father? It's crazy boldness. The same Spirit is given to us that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Do you know that you're a son? Are you walking as a slave? Son or a slave? Which father will want to put any curse on the children? Which father? Evil fathers don't will not curse their children. How much more the father in heaven? You are sons. And look at this. It's a beautiful Aaronic blessing. We know Aaronic blessing, right? Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Who are these children? Not even once they obeyed. Always disobeying. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then he says, look at what it says. Final verse 627. So they shall, what? Put my name upon them. My name upon them. On the children of Israel. And I will bless them. First thing, you need to know that you're not a, you're a you are blessed and not cursed. What does that mean? That you are a son and not a slave. Son and not a slave. Can you imagine? What slaves beg. Sons demand. Slaves beg. Sons, children demand. Daddy, when you are coming, don't forget to get chocolate. I don't know, think about it, no? Will any son or daughter beg their children, beg their parents. Think about it. No, I got a bigger and a manual. Daddy, please, French toast. Amma, will they do that? Think about it. That's how many people are with, with God. Ah, yeah. Deliberate. Job. Ah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember my parents when they were growing up, he said, Arinu chadukok pote adukkun dinto. And I, whenever she used to say adukkun dinto, I used to say, that's all I could get in my mind. And I was growing up, I said, I don't want to end up like that. You know, but the sad story about most believers, they are like beggars when they come to God. They don't know who they are in Christ. Yeah. That's exactly what the prodigal son said. Ayah, mercy, I let me make become one of your servants. 
I will earn my salvation and then you can bless me. What are you saying? Ray? Bring in the robe of righteousness. Put the authority of, put the, put the sandals, give him the authority of the ring. Let's have a party. Blessing Elsa, who do you know? Who you are? A son of the living God? A daughter of the living God? Do you have any idea what that means? As many as have received them to them, he gave the what? The authority, the exousia to be called the children of God. Not dunamis. The exousia to be called the children of God. The sons of God. And what are we? Slaves. Please don't think negatively here. This is what the reality of most believers is. So it's the second thing. And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? First, you're not under a curse. You're blessed and not cursed. You're blessed to be a blessing. Second, you're not under wrath but under discipline. You need need to understand there's a difference between being under wrath and being under discipline. Okay, you're not under wrath. God, you're not under wrath. First thing, this is just something which you ought to be very clear. The wrath of God, there's no judgment over for, for a believer who is in Christ. The wrath of God has already been poured on Jesus on the cross. First Thessalonians chapter 5. For God did not read that, everybody. Let's read that. Everybody. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we... Are you see that? Whether we are awake or whether we are asleep. For a, for a believer, there is no death. Either we are awake or Christlo nidrinchamu. We are asleep in Christ. That's exactly what happened to, to Stephen after he was stoned. You know what it says in the book of Acts? And Stephen fell asleep. He didn't fall dead. Wages of sin is death. That is eternal separation from God. That is a result of God's wrath. But you are not under wrath if you are in Christ. Do you know that? But if you do not believe Christ, you are under wrath. John's Gospel chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son, his what? What life? Everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son, does not see life. But what, what, is, what is it binding on him? The wrath of God abides on him. He has saved us from the wrath of God. We are not under wrath. That is the gospel. Romans chapter 16, 1, 16 and 74. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first to, and also to the Greek. Why? Verse 18. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. The moment you believe in the gospel and you are repented of your sins and you have accepted Jesus into, as your Lord and Savior, you are not under the wrath. The enemy knows, but a lot of people in Christ, they don't know. They don't know. That they are not under wrath. But you are disciplined. You will be disciplined for sure. And it is not an easy thing to fall into the hands of God. Okay. Three things God asks David. Famine. Enemies. My hand. Your hand. People are dying. It's not easy. But discipline. He disciplines us. He definitely disciplines us. And one of the ways you know that you are not under wrath is when God gives up on you. If he's not humbling you. If he's not disciplining you. If you are not being spanked by God. Are you a son? 
I'll, I'll, I'll tell me, I'll, you know how, how I know that Abigail is my daughter? I don't care about what happens to this next door neighbor, but I care about, Justin and I care about what happens to Abigail. And because she's my daughter, she'll get spanked. For sure. For sure. That's the reason why Hebrews chapter 12 it says, you have forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as Ah, sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor nor faint when you are reproved of him. That means sometimes you will be almost fainting and that's what we call I see you. Okay, okay, that is when finally you see God. You have a one-on-one relationship with God. Quiet time. Where you are quiet and he's having a great time. Okay. For those whom the Lord loves, what? How do you know that he loves you? Because he gave me a good husband? No? He gave you a wife who will say, curse God and die. That is how he knows that you know that he loves you. Discipline. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And, I like the word, scourge baba. Have you seen scourge? Bipu vimana mota. Ante. When you, when you, you remember the sound of the aeroplane and you re- remember the sound of the web. Zap! Zap! Okay? That is what it means. Scourging. Don't become proud when you are not being scourged. I'm not at all a problem. Really? Maybe a big problem. God says it is not possible for this to, for this fellow to be sudrafied. He's given up. It is for discipline that, that you endure. God deals with your sons. How many times he's repeating? For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? In other words, if you do not discipline your children, you are not a... Kya baat hai? Three much. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are a more legitimate children. How many illegitimate children in the house of God today? I don't know. There are so many. And people think that they are legitimate children. No. God has not even bothered about them. You know, one of the things that I know that I am loved by God because he spanked the daylights out of me. He reminded me of my father and mother in a different way. Chukkal chupichadnaku. That is how I know that God loves me. He didn't give up upon me. He me through trial, through testing. He broke me. Thank God he broke me. He took you to the wilderness. Caused you to hunger. Fed you with manna. To humble you. To show you what is in your heart. So that man shall not live. But that you will know that man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But even as he took you through the wilderness. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell. You know why? The clothes, the garments are the righteousness of Jesus. He has seen you absolutely complete, righteous in Christ. That will not fade away. But he will discipline you. But he will discipline you. He will discipline us. Thank God he disciplines us. Why? First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 31. But if we judge ourselves the best way to avoid God's discipline is to judge ourselves. But you know, who we are very soft on ourselves by the way. Okay. Okay, we are very soft. How many, how easily we forgive ourselves, no? Uh, there are some people, 
Even in this church are very hard on themselves. They're harder than God, by the way. I'm not talking of those super saints. You and I, normal people. We're very soft. But God is not soft. If you judge yourself, you know, I remember one man of God saying, a true man of God is severe on himself and gentle on the others. You know what he says? One, one person, John, James and John says, Lord, to your right, to your left. Do you know what you're asking for? Are you ready to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? Next time Samaritans say, don't let Jesus come. Lord, shall we bring fire down? What are they? Hard on others. Gentle on themselves. You know what God says? Jesus says, I'm not like that. I'm hard on myself. I'm gentle on others. I know a true man of God is a man who is tough on himself, but is gentle on others. See? Okay, that's just free of cost. Okay? You don't have to pay anything for me. To me for that. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are being what? Disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with with the world. And he tells one guy, hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of judgment. Hand him over. That is discipline. Can you imagine a church where you just take away the, the covering of the church or the person? You should do it so that you will discipline that person. Otherwise, you will keep on covering them. You know what will happen? That fellow will come and corrupt the entire church. No covering for rebels. They should be disciplined. Look at what it says in Psalm 89 verse 30 onwards. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with a what? With a rod. And their iniquity with that? With? Baal Varthik. I don't know, that is what possibly Paul means, I bear on my body, I don't know. I'm just, just assuming it may not be that, but you will have stripes of God over your body. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from them, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. What a promise if you're a son. Why? Proverbs chapter 23 verse 13, for all parents, including me, and especially mothers. Because, oh you, Arvali. But Sukumarla and Mr. Gamma Sukumar Gadu. Sukumari or Sukumar. Intamanchi pair with Tonga. Nice pair. Sukumar. Sukumar. Manchikumardu. Sukumari. Manchikumarte. Kadu. Like Cyril says, no? Very Sukumari and a sinner at the same time. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not. Ah. You shall beat him with the rod and you will deliver his soul ah, from hell. How many of you want to go to hell? You are not under wrath. You are under discipline. If he is not disciplining you, that means you are under what a paradox. You are under wrath. You are not under wrath. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son. How many of you want to hate your children? Don't correct them anytime. That's exactly what David did. He never said, Ayo, son, what did you do? No, 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 no. Never. 
ఈవెన్ ఎలా అయ్యో హాఫ్ని ఫినియాస్ ఏం చేస్తున్నారు మీరు రెండు వాతలు పెట్టాలా ఇప్పుడే మరి మర్చిపోతాడు వాడు డోంట్ డూ ఇట్ ఎన్ యాంగర్ యూస్ ద రాడ్ నాట్ యువర్ డోంట్ యూస్ యువర్ హ్యాండ్ ఇన్ అవర్ కంట్రీ దే విల్ కానికే నీచే బైరి నో 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 గాడ్ యూజెస్ అ హ్యాండ్స్ టు బ్లెస్ హీ యూజెస్ అ రాడ్ టు పనిష్ దట్ ఇస్ రీజన్ వైసెస్ హీ డజంట్ పనిష్ దెమ్ డైరెక్ట్లీ హీ యూజెస్ ఎసిరియా మై రాడ్ ఆఫ్ కరెక్షన్ ఐ డోంట్ వాంట్ టు టచ్ మై చిల్డ్రన్ లెట్ మీ యూస్ అంబడి ఎల్స్ ఐ లవ్ దెమ్ సో మచ్ బ్యూటిఫుల్ నో వాట్ అ గాడ్ దట్ ఇస్ పేరెంటింగ్ ప్రిన్సిపల్ థ్యాంక్ గాడ్ ఫర్ రాడ్స్ దట్ ఐ రిసీవ్ ఇన్ మై లైఫ్ పాహ్ you do not know now in hindsight 20 hindsight is always 2020 that is the reason 2020 is coming next year hindsight is 2020 all the time you perfect hindsight in hindsight i thank god for the rods that i received both from my parents and from god and from my pastor in that order i love that thank god thank god thank god commandments are life reproofs of instruction are a way of life to keep you from the immoral chalak unta dakadi to keep you from that immoral from from the seductors who flatters with our words people who love you will correct you as i said they are not looking to confront you but they are not afraid to confront you they are not looking to confront you but they are not afraid to confront you Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15. Foolishness is bound up. <laughs> I like that. Foolishness is bound up. It's like a snake which is bound up and it has to be removed slowly. It's like a, you know, you know, when, when if you, how many of you, how many did Patang? Everybody did Patang. Okay. How do we do the, do the charaki? Dasti or this? No. Why? Otherwise, Tangle. and that's exactly so many lives all tangled full full of complications and they want immediate result how many of you got the thing easily you have to do all kinds of things so that you can make it straight it is bound up in the heart of a child it's like that so many of our lives are like that and god has to do it slowly but we want instant results it's not going to happen foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child but the rod of correction will drive it far from him in other words he will make him wise that is the reason why he says to timothy from childhood you knew the scriptures which is able to make you what wise unto salvation through faith in jesus christ for all scripture is given by the inspiration of god is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction and in righteousness so that a man of god should be complete and thorough equipped for every good work and lacking nothing not under wrath but you are under discipline do you know that no we you know the, the problem is with the churches many of us we think when we are under discipline we are under the wrath of god lord take away this problem no the only way you will continue with god is with the problem because he knows our heart 
no i was thinking in the morning no when i lost everything that is when i came to the bible for 6 months i had nothing no job no money nothing i was dependent upon somebody and all i was doing was reading the word from morning till evening if god would not have put me there in that place i would never have read the bible never is it good for me oh yeah but at that time i said lord what is this am i under your wrath no you are under my discipline you are under my discipline third thing and from the top of the rocks i see him and from the hills i behold him a people alone not reckoning itself among the nations what are we we are a set apart people who knows this the enemy knows do you know are you comfortable with your world who who's your best friend you know what is a question that god asked balaam as i said god asked questions to everybody adam adam where are you who told you etc you know what are the, what god asked balaam hmm? you know what god asked balaam he asked who are these fellows with you who are these men who came to your house who are these men who came to your house in other words he will ask us who is there in your whatsapp list you remember in whatsapp list no what all the groups are you in a part of First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Do not be deceived. Evil or bad company corrupts good character. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. So be very careful about the company that you choose. You are not a people who are of this world. You are set apart. So whom do you like to? I like to hang out with with the set apart ones with the sanctified ones that is the reason why psalm 16 will say your saints are those people who are in whom i always delight they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight the saints in the land as for the saints in the land they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight do you like to hang out with your brothers in the church when i'm saying hang out ka matlab not having hangouts on google not google hangout and talking nonsense which has no relevance with the kingdom of god encouraging one another praying for one another are you a set apart people do you know that you are a set apart people first peter chapter 2 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were what you know god god says you know they are my people and not my people and there are two categories a a prime a union a prime is equal to universal set very simple god lives in the binary world okay my people not my people once you are not my people now you are my people no indian no mallu no gulti no punjabi no 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 my people not my people What did I say? My people, not my people. Even if they are guilty and they speak their own lang- your own language, and they eat your own food, they may not be your people. They could be the same caste; they're still not your people. Because you know why? They're not God's people. On the other hand, there could be one person from another part of the world who has a complete. 
completely different cultural background. But if he is a child of God, he is your people. Sanctified ones. Once you were not a people, but you are not God's people. Once you were not had, uh, did not have mercy, but now you have received mercy. So how does he do this? How does he set us apart? John's Gospel chapter 17, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. You see that? God, God has only two categories of people. Not my people and my people. What does it my people mean? You know what? You're my bride. You're mine. My people means Mera. My Jacinth. You see? My Usha. Now don't add names, all bachelors. Okay, don't put names. Okay? And spinsters. Okay? And for their sake, see, you're mine. I, I, I just love you. I love you so much, like my wife. You are set apart for me. You know how he, how he, I mean, just imagine, no? Uh, I remember one movie actor, who I don't want to name his name. You people in the media will know hmm, very well. One day he was going in his car with his family and suddenly there was a bunch of, uh, uh, media people came and started doing something and one guy came and did something to his wife. He was so upset, so angry. And he did spank that media person or something and that went viral. No, You know whom I'm talking about, right? He knows very well. Now, that's exactly what husbands have to do to their wives. You, you touch my girl? She's my girl. You touch my girl? Whose language is that? That's not, that's not your language. It's not a teenager's language. It's God's language. You copied. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothal, your following after me in the wilderness through a land which is not sown. You know, your Umar Khayyam, literally. Umar Khayyam, the great Persian mathematician. What did he say? A glass, a loaf of bread, a glass of wine. And your presence is paradise in the wilderness. I mean, I, whenever I read that statement, I get so excited. Mathematicians are not dum-dums, they're romanticists, okay? In every mathematician, there's a romantic track which is going on. girlfriend? girlfriend? Okay. So, they're, they're, that track is there. And that track is not... Something which is unique to you that is there in God. And you know what he says? I remember you. We, he's talking about the children of Israel who went, to, who went through the wilderness, right? Not the, not their father, the children of Israel. Their children who never complained. 38 years, they lost their precious life. They never complained. They enjoyed God. They had a fantastic relationship with him. You know what God says about them? He says, Israel was What? Holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest and all who ate of it or touched it became guilty. You touch my girl, I'll come after you. That's what God said. Touch my girl. Come after you. Do you know that you're his girl? 
Amazing, isn't it? What confidence to have a boyfriend like that. I mean, just imagine, I'm, just, I'm using your language, Baba. Oh, he loves me, he cares for me. Oh, he loves me only. Exactly. But no boyfriend can love you the way like God loves you. Psalm 105. And confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, for one kingdom to another people. He permitted no one to do them wrong. You know what he said? Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Don't touch them. They are mine. And you need these assurances in the last days. Otherwise you will not be able to go through the pressure that we are going through. We are come, it's coming even in India. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come in waves for sure. It is going to come. And you don't have this assurance, then you will not be able to survive. Look at what it says in Psalm 94. I was stunned when I read this verse. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statutes. That's exactly what is happening. They're changing the laws and making it into a law against Christians. And it's happening all around the world. Christians are the minority. They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. You know why? Because I belong to him. I'm set apart. He is my husband. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, cleanse her, wash her by the washing over the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy, set apart, and without, and the spot to couldn't do. Remember when you saw all men, the heart started beating when your wife was, I mean, your, your to be was coming down the aisle. All arise and have butterflies in the belly. And you should, and you wouldn't believe, I was not smiling on my wedding day. I was not. If anybody has any objection, that these, should, these two people should not get married, even if you two have any objection, I'm looking at her. Do you have? No. In CSI churches, it happens, okay? No, I said, oh. because by the time I was remembering runaway bride and all that jazz, now it's coming in my mind. I don't want runaway bride here. So, very serious. Sir, Navant, sir. You see all my wedding pictures, very, very serious. And my brother-in-law came to me and he said, I told him, it's over, bro. It's done. You know what? I remember, I believe that's what happened to Jesus, no? When he went to Cana at Galilee for the wedding and they ran out of wine. I know you can have several interpretations, but you know, one commentator gave this very interesting interpretation and his mother came to said and said, you know what? They don't have wine. You know what? Jesus said, my time has not come yet. Please, I'm waiting for my bride. Please don't mind me. It's, you know, all bachelors when they go to other people's weddings and spinsters when they go to other people's weddings. That is not gully boy, but okay. Your number is coming. You know what Jesus also said? Mera time kabaega. 
He was remembering that. My time has not come. Sanctified, set apart. Do you know that? One day you're going to get married to him. You know what? The, what, he, what, you, what happens to you when the butterflies go through you, it's a microcosm of what is going to happen to us in eternity. That is the reason why we'll, we'll sing that song, sing a song of celebration. Lift up your voice and sing. For the bridegroom will come, the glorious one. We will dance on the streets like golden, the glorious bride and the great son of man. From every tribe and tongue and nation will join what? The song of the Lamb. My people, sanctified, set apart, his people, his bride. Do you know that? You know the enemy knows it? Do you know? (laughs) Do you live like that? Look at this man. Paul, the bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, finished with the gospel. I love that introduction. A statement, a signature, Paul, a bond servant. Then, fourth one. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. You know what it means? The enemy knows that you are a what people? A vindicated people. That is the reason why he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Don't take matters into your own hands. Leave judgment into my hands. You're a vindicated people. A vindicated people. What does vindication mean? You know what? Complete in him. Complete in him. I'll tell you, give you an example, okay? One man of God gave this example. I'm just giving this example. I just paraphrase it into my context. Okay? Just imagine, no? Abigail goes up and she applies to different universities abroad and she gets a letter from Princeton. Dear Mr. Dear Abigail, daughter of... It's like that, no? Vijay Kota. We have accepted you into Princeton with a full scholarship. What will I say? Thank God, now she'll be settled and she'll get a good job. Will I say that? You know the sense of satisfaction? It was worth it, man. I feel vindicated. Satisfaction. You know, I remember when I got into IIT, I went to my Tatagaru. Abo, my Manodich said. He didn't say, Are you in the IIT list? Chindra, now you'll get a good job. Unle. No. He took me in his car and he went around. Why is that? From one relative house to the next relative's house. Mahodich is in seat. He got a seat. He got a seat. He got a seat. He got a seat. You know what? That is vindication. It's an intense satisfaction that you get when you know that you have been accepted into Princeton. What is the satisfaction that you get when you know that you are accepted into heaven? Did you write an entrance exam? No. Who wrote your entrance exam? Jesus. That is amazing. Proxy chinnik, He gave proxy. 
He wrote our exam. And he says, you take the result. Amazing. Amazing. And unbelievable that is. Do you know that? Do you know? No weapon formed against them will prosper and every lying tongue that accuses you in judgment, who will condemn? You will condemn. This is your heritage as a servants of the Lord because their vindication is from me, says the Lord. Oh, vindicated people. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I I was the one who accepted him into my university. Think about it. No, you didn't write any entrance exam. You got into Princeton. Can you imagine? I said, "Clutter than face." You know, Mary, when we get clutter, the face is You know, walking through. I remember when I went to Boston. I was walking through MIT with a great MIT. Okay, I mean, I was feeling elated. I'm not a student in MIT. I'm just walking through MIT. Huh? I was just walking and then it's a huge campus, right? Then I said, uh, I looked at one guy who was coming. I said, how do I go to MIT? He looked at me and he said, you are in MIT. That's so huge. I know what you're asking. You're asking for the dome, right? Turn, go straight, go, turn right. You should see the feeling. You know, that guy was an MIT student. Asking for MIT. I'm a person. I was like imagining if I was in MIT, man. Just imagine that, no? I went into Harvard, no? Harvard. I went to the library. Harvard library. Ah, Harvard is a Just visited Harvard free of cost. I was feeling it. I was like elation. Just go through those libraries in Harvard. The feeling that you get. Imagine you are a student in Harvard. You are in heaven. What vindication is that? That, that is a comparison. Amazing. He says, you know what? My vindication is from you. Your vindication is from me. I am giving you the acceptance into my place. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to earn it. Just have to believe in me. Look at this. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which who? He will be called the Lord our righteousness. Now let us just do a fast forward and go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Look at what it says. 33 16. Uh, Behold the days are coming says the Lord that I will raise uh, to a David a branch of righteousness. The king shall reign and prosper etc. Verse 16. In this, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. And this is the, this is his name by which huh, who is that she? The Lord of our righteousness, the church clothed by the righteousness of Jesus. That's what he says. You are a vindicated people. I've vindicated you. That's exactly what happened, no? To Adam in one sense. When Adam saw Eve, it's, 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 it's a type. When Adam saw Eve, he did not get deceived. Who, who got deceived? Eve got deceived and she fell into transgression and she disobeyed. And the moment Adam saw that, you know what he did? He left his father and mother and joined himself 
to his wife. That's exactly what the last Adam did. You know what he did? He went into the waters of baptism and joined himself with us. And he told, and he told, what's his name? John the Baptist says, it is fulfilling, it is, it is required for us to fulfill all righteousness. He identified himself with us and he vindicates us. He becomes our vindication. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. He made him who knew, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. So don't try to vindicate yourself. You try to justify yourself, it will become a false balance. What will it become? False balance. You know, it always used to puzzle me. No, it says in uh, <laughs> Proverbs chapter eleven, verse one: "A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, and a just weight is his delight." Why is the false balance an abomination to the Lord? I'll tell you why. Weight also comes. There is a word called glory, which also means weight. On the final analysis, Jesus Christ will be on one side. That is the righteousness of Christ on one side, and who will be on the other side? You and me. And God will say, "Mene mene tekel." person. You have been weighed and found wanting. Unless if you have to balance the eternal weight of the righteousness of God, who should be on the other side? Jesus, with his righteousness on the other side, to balance. Every other weight or a vindication is a false balance and abomination to God. 1611, just wait and a balance of the lords. Who are they? They are the lords, not yours. He decides what are the standards. All the weights of the bag are his work. It's his work, not my work. Not my works, but his work. Okay. That is the reason why Paul says, Philippians chapter 3, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but a righteousness which is by faith in Jesus Christ. The next one. This is the other prophecy. Okay, we looked at four things. I mean, I'll continue sometime because we are running out of time here. Just ten minutes over here. Now think about it. I just want us to think for a few minutes. What the enemy knows about us, do you know about us? Do you and I know about us? See? We have our worries, our vindications. Who's our vindication? You know, the moment you think about any other person as your satisfaction, if you say, you know what, if I find a good husband, that will be my vindication. You know why? Otherwise, I'm so beautiful, I'm so gorgeous. I should get a gorgeous husband. Otherwise, how will I be vindicated? I'm so highly qualified, I should get a good job. Otherwise, how will I be vindicated? See? You look for vindication in any other person. You know what you're saying? That person died for you. Did he die for you? No. That person is your righteousness. Is he your righteousness? No. You know what is he? He's a false balance. An abomination to the Lord. Think about it. If I have children who are successful, that will be my vindication. A lot of, lot of parents vicariously live their lives to their children. 
Where I have failed, my children should not fail. Really? Vindication. Who's your vindication? You know, the moment you put away your trust from God and any other person or a thing or a career, it will disappoint you. It will disappoint you. Just we'll end with this. Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you you may see them. You shall see only the outer part of them and shall not see all of them. Curse them from me. You know what? Balak now knows he cannot curse Israel. Can I find some loophole somewhere, somewhere, somewhere? Please, please, please. That is how, you know, a lot of people are. They want to see loopholes as to how to catch. Weak areas in your life. Look at what it says. And he took up an oracle and said, rise up Balak and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I shall not reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of of Egypt. He has a strength like a wild ox. What it tells me is this. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. You know what it, it tells me? The gifts and the callings of God are irreversible. Finished. Gifts and callings of God are irreversible. In other words, once he has spoken something into your life, it will come to pass. Well, there is some obedience, but he has spoken. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does it mean? And I was looking at, looking this up. God is not a man who should lie, right? Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not what? Consume the three things. First is the attribute of God that he is unchanging. Second, the beneficiaries of, of the attribute. Who are they? The sons of Jacob. And what is the benefit that they are accruing? <laughs> they are not consumed. <laughs> why are they not consumed? You know why are they not consumed? I'll tell you why they are not consumed. First Peter chapter 3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively, lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And look at what he says. And verse 4. He says, you have been what? Kept by the power of God. The same God who called you will also keep you so that he will not consume you. Even though you are a son of Jacob. I am a God has not changed. What a promise. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and we will end. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you holy spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who called you is what? Faithful and he will also do it. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 for by one offering he has perfected for ever those who are being Sanctified. Awesome promises. See? So first thing, we are blessed and not cursed. Second, what is that? What is that? What is that? You are not under wrath, but under discipline. Third, what is that? We are set apart for God. Fourth, we are a vindicated people. Fifth, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. 
Let these truths be in your heart. My dear brothers and sisters, the enemy knows them. Do you know them? And if you know that he knows, how will your response be? <laughs> how will you respond to him? Will you be intimidated by him? Will you know? If he knows that he knows. In other words, he, he shivers. He's scared of you. But the problem is, most of us are scared about him. Of him. This morning, can we stand up in the presence of the Lord? Many of us might be having this question. Vijay, all these things are great, but I have sinned. How do I approach him? You know, just like Abigail and Emmanuel approached their father when I spanked them. You know what they do? They don't run away from me. They cling to me. They that I love that. When they become teenagers, they will run away. But now they cling. They just cling. Especially Emmanuel. She's like, she just clings to me. When God is disciplining you, what are you going to do? When you fall, what are you going to do? Malachi chapter 7, you know what it says? It's John Piper calls it gutsy guilt. Come boldly, confidently to the throne of grain to receive what? Mercy. Come boldly today, this morning. Beautiful, remarkable line in John Wesley's hymn. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Okay. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim my crown through Christ my own. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me? You know, recently, uh, my dad's aunt passed away. Now, when Brother Cyril preached, you know, runs for the first sermon that he preached in our youth meeting, he said, what should your epitaph be? So now this time I went to the graveyard and I was looking at all the epitaphs. I looked at all the epitaphs. So many epitaphs had so many other verses. But there was one epitaph which caught my attention. No, You know what it said? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling and such pillow. He went into his grave. That is his last word. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I said, boy, that should be all of us, a bit off. Because even if the crowns that we earn, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put it down at his feet because nothing that we have done for God. Nothing in our hands are bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. Or I die. This morning, spend a few moments and say, Lord, wash me. You said in your word, if you confess, I am faithful and I am just. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Father, I pray, Father, for all of us this morning. Lord, we are sons of the living God. Yes, Lord, we might go through trial, through tribulation, through persecution, but as your word says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation, can famine, can distress, can sword, can peril, can danger, can nakedness, 
for all these things as it is written we are being killed all day long and we are counted for sheep to the slaughter but I am persuaded nothing at all in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord Amen and I pray Father let that be the confession of your people this morning Lord all of us trying to find our own vindication but Lord enable us to lay all our burdens at your feet this morning even as we heard in the worship time Lord even as your daughter was leading us in worship she said lay all your burdens at Jesus feet This morning I pray, Father, that you would convict. Lord, let your Holy Spirit come, convict gently all your children. Lord, break hearts that have become hardened by sin. Bring conviction, bring repentance, bring salvation afresh in our lives, Lord. Touch every one of us in a special way this morning. Enable us to know what we are in you. And enable us to walk in victory. The way you said Abraham. Abraham. I am the Lord your God. Walk thou before me. And be thou blameless. To that end I pray. That you would bless our message this morning. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, honor and praise. In Jesus name. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.